Manila Community Radio. 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 Hey everyone, this is Cultural Learnings with Versailles on Manila Community Radio. Tonight, I'll be taking you through the evolution of electronic dance music from 1977 to 2020, a nearly 50-year history, illustrating how the way we listen to music changed forever. There were so many genres I couldn't include here, so many turning points in this story that we will have to save for another time. But for now, here's what I've put together, a crash course and a retrospective of my own musical influences. Please make sure to stay until the end to hear some tracks both released and unreleased from local artists in the Philippines and Thailand. But first, I want to dedicate this show to a few people. Let's raise a glass to XX or 2020, a club in Manila that recently announced it was shutting its doors after more than four years. It was really a bastion of underground electronic dance music in the city, but alas, times are hard. I hope we can take this time to remember all the good moments we had there. I know many of you listening have quite a few. So thank you, XX. This is for you, for making Manila a better place. With that said, thanks to the folks behind Manila Community Radio for this beautiful platform. It's certainly given me some semblance of routine during such a strange time, and it's become a lifeline for me in many ways. I know I'm not alone in thinking this. Shout out to all the friends I made during quarantine, many of whom are part of Manila's electronic dance music scene. You know who you all are. I love you all so much. And to all my homies I've had the pleasure of dancing with here, near, and far, this show is for you. So please, use your best headphones or speakers for this show, and let's start this class.
what you just heard was a May's 1981 edit of the city pop classic Plastic Love by Maria Takeuchi. It was released in 1984 and this version has a higher BPM than the original which I personally prefer as I usually bop to the beat of around 125 to 130 BPM. And the track before that was Best of My Love by The Emotions, which played during the intro sequence of Paul Thomas Anderson's Boogie Nights featuring Mark Wahlberg, Julian Moore, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. A star-studded cast, I highly recommend it. Now, in my opinion, electronic dance music as we know it today in the physical space really began with disco, signaling the beginning of DJ-based underground clubs. After all, the word disco was a shorthand for discotheque, which means record library in French. Disco was mainly led by the Black, gay, and Latino communities and was an offshoot of the 1960s counterculture. So you can imagine the resistance it faced during the earlier years, especially since radio stations ignored the genre, mainly catering towards rock music. However, films like Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta, which was released in 1977, the same year Best of My Love was released, really propelled disco into the mainstream. I wanted to know more about the context of these two tracks, and there was no better person to speak to than Manila's very own disco aficionado, Papa John's, where I asked him, first and foremost, why he likes listening and playing disco music. The reason why I like disco music and I enjoy playing it a lot is because, I guess for one, I always like looking back to the past when it comes to music. I like seeing and discovering um, maybe like hits that were overlooked, songs that um, maybe now can be much appreciated. The other reason, I guess, is because I love the emotion that's put into it. I mean, lots of the disco music that I listen to is especially with female vocalists and I just feel like they put so much emotion when they're singing it just really elevates listening to it especially in a club setting or in a setting where it's really a thing to I guess like dance and be with friends so I guess those are the reasons why I like disco music. The idea of disco as a vehicle for rediscovering the underappreciated was really interesting to me, just because Plastic Love in particular has garnered this sort of cult status over the years. I think it illustrates how globalized disco really became, to the point that countries like Japan and even the Philippines were taking this new musical language and making it their own thing, as if it represented this untapped conscience that was waiting to go out and dance. Similarly, with Best of My Love, I discovered it while watching Boogie Nights, and despite being born in the 90s, I think its masterful use within the soundtrack really helped me capture the spirit and essence of disco in the 70s. So I asked Papa John's how he would place these two tracks in the wider history of electronic dance music. The interesting thing with the story of Plastic Love, it was actually a B-sider. It wasn't even a single of Maria Takeuchi, and... It only it only got fame because of the whole vaporwave future funk movement, especially the the YouTube algorithm where like a lot of random old songs got famous and Plastic Love is like the poster child of this movement. So this song actually got me more into branching out into different types of music, especially when I started DJing and producing. It made me get into future funk, it made me get more into vaporwave and also see that whole that whole city pop genre and how it became so popular and it's such a thing right now. Well, yeah, and with city pop, it's just also interesting like how it 
became a thing because it's like how Japan was like really a, such a economic powerhouse during the 80s and basically everyone was rich everyone was having like a lavish lifestyle and I guess it relates into disco during the 70s because when we see disco we always like see it as like style and glamour and all of that and maybe it's the same thing in Japan because that was like when they were at its richest and everyone was just spending so City Pop was basic was basically like music in regards to their situation where they could just spend money it's very lavish it was really just about good vibes and just partying and drinking with friends for best of my love um well that is like a really really good song i mean i think it's one of the most one of the most famous and well-known disco tracks of all time um the emotions were like if i'm not mistaken they were like the backing vocalist band or like they'd go on tour with earth and fire and they'd be the ones basically being the backing female vocals with this song i guess it's the quote-unquote um, not stereotypical, but I guess this is the sound that most the peop- most people associate disco to, with like very soulful lyrics, very upbeat instruments and drums. And though it's not the fastest record, I, I think the po- the point of it was just supposed to make people dance. And this track really gets people off their feet. It keeps makes everyone happy when you play it in the room. And yeah, I guess that's what disco was meant to be. It's just supposed to be like really feel good and make people want to come together, dance, and celebrate music. If you haven't listened to Papa John's Filipino and Indonesian disco special of 25th of August, head over to Manila Community Radio's Mixcloud archive where the playback is available for your listening pleasures. The next two tracks are going to be serious milestones in the history of electronic dance music. Next up is one of the most influential tracks of all time, I Feel Love by Donna Summers.
The last track you just heard was Your Love by Frankie Knuckles, dubbed by many as one of the defining tracks of Chicago House. Now, I think these two tracks really mark the birth of electronic dance music as we hear it today, and I'm really placing emphasis on the word electronic. Before the release of I Feel Love, the disco sound was distinguished by its orchestral use of drums, strings, horns, electric pianos, and rhythm guitars. I Feel Love, which was released in 1977, was one of the first tracks to ever use an analog synthesizer, manipulating electricity to generate sound. For example, each note on the bass line was doubled by adding a delay effect, which sounds like a repeated echo and made the track feel hypnotizing and strobe-like. The hi-hat was created by putting an envelope on the hissing white noise from the synthesizer. In other words, changing how the sound attacks, decays, and sustains, as well as releases over time. So I think I Feel Love gave disco a new energy um, and it used that by emulating as well as using the operatic energy of electronic machines. And while 1977 was a defining moment for disco, by the end of the 70s it was on its last legs. On 12th of July 1979, crates of disco records were blown up during a major league baseball game against the Chicago White Sox and the Detroit Tigers, a night otherwise known as Disco Demolition Night. The controversy against disco wasn't just a matter of music taste, it was an entire pushback against the war between the DJ and the radio station as disco slowly evolved into dance music and being in direct contention with rock music. To illustrate the sentiment, here's a clip from the film Last Days of Disco, where the protagonists reflect on, well, the last days of disco. Anyway, disco's over, it's dead. What do you mean? Well, people just aren't going out like they used to. They're tired. Some are sick or strung out. It's not just the prosecutions and all the owners that Bernie squealed on. Could part of it be related to the herpes epidemic? Maybe. Uh, I've got a friend at Casablanca Records and Tapes, and she says that like two months ago, the bottom dropped out of all disco record sales. Suddenly, it's dead, over. God, that's sad. We're getting older. We've lived through a period that's ended. It's like dying a little bit. Disco will never be over. It will always live in our minds and hearts. Something like this, that was this big and this important and this great, will never die. Oh, for a few years, maybe many years, it'll be considered passe and ridiculous. It'll be misrepresented and caricatured and sneered at, or worse, completely ignored. People will laugh about John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John, white polyester suits and platform shoes and going like this. But we had nothing to do with those things and still love disco. Those who didn't understand will never understand. Disco was much more and much better than all that. Disco was too great and too much fun to be gone forever. It's got to come back someday. I just hope it will be in our own lifetimes. Sorry, I've got a job interview this afternoon and I was trying to get revved up, but most of what I said, I uh, believe. By the 1980s, artists like Frankie Knuckles experimented with edits of disco tracks using synthesizers and drum machines, focusing on the parts that worked on the dance floor. Sort of like how the producers of I Feel Love were simply experimenting with what worked and what was new. And somehow, miraculously, Chicago House was born. And you know what? Sometimes I wonder whether Chicago House would be called Chicago House if disco didn't die. 
Anyway, let's keep moving. The next track evokes emotions I hope many of you aren't feeling right now. It's I'm Lonely by Hollis P. Monroe. Thank you. 
What you heard just now was the Digitales Dream Mix of Feeling For You by the electronic group from France, Cassius. I paired these two tracks together because I thought they represented some of the many branches house music was evolving from during the 90s. The first track by Hollis P. Monroe was released in 1997 and it sat at the cusp at, you know, where Chicago House and Deep House were kind of just exploding, I guess. Um, and Deep House specifically can be distinguished by its soft keyboard pads, percussions, and this type of soul that is reminiscent of jazz, blues, and funk. In contrast with Pure Chicago House, Deep House bops at a nice, comfortable pulse while still being suitable for the nightclub. Now, Feeling For You was released in 1999 when French House was really becoming a thing. The East Coast rave scene in the United States eventually traveled across the Atlantic and into European soil. In France, clubs like the Palace on Paris's 9th arrondissement acted as bastions of house music in Europe. This eventually led artists like Laurent Garnier, Daft Punk, and Cassius to create what many called a French touch to house music, marrying the pop sounds of Euro disco with the funk of Chicago house. Simultaneously, the UK was experiencing a renaissance of their own with the sound in retrospect really set them apart from every electronic dance music movement in the world. I'll explain this in a bit, but for now, here's Headhunters by 808 States. Thank <laughs> you. 
just tuning in you're listening to cultural learnings with versailles on manila community radio i hope you're all having a good sunday the track you just heard was headhunters by 808 states um, and 808 state are actually really famous for their track pacific 202 which the independent newspaper called the song that made the nation chill out They also describe Pacific 202 as the oral equivalent of throwing a party inside a giant flotation tank. This is because they were pairing this quintessential breaky UK sound with wildlife noises and a soprano sax. It's actually a really good track um, and it's one that I've heard on MCR before and many of you might know. But Acid House, I discovered, is really hard to come by here in the Filipino music scene. So I thought I'd broaden your horizons a little bit with some more underrated pieces of work. But first of all, it's important to explain what Acid House is before we give context to this track. Um, the Acid House sound can be traced back to early experiments on the Roland TR-303, a synthesizer sequencer that was meant to emulate the sound of bass guitars. Roland Corp really failed on that end, and the machine made chirpy noises that sounded nowhere like a bass guitar. They discontinued it in 1984, but producers eventually learned how to tweak the machine to manipulate and create this squelching sound. The sound, of course, that Acid House is known for today. And upon doing research for this show, 
I also discovered this lore behind the term acid house, which was actually quite interesting. So some suggest it was inspired by the LSD that people were taking in Vietnam. Another take is that it had nothing to do with drugs, but that acid house sounded so weird, it felt like a surreal trip. But whatever the actual lore was, the name worked and it just stuck. So 808 State is an electronic music group from Manchester in the UK where there was a really distinct acid house scene. This track from their debut album, New Build, is said to be the first British acid album. And it was the album that led Aphex Twin to declare 808 State as the next step after Chicago Acid after he re-released it on his record label, Reflex Records. Just found that interesting. Moving on, we'll be continuing this tangent on acid for a little bit with this track from the Glasgow duo Slam called Dark Forces.
What you just heard was Star Dancer by The Martian, a track released in 1993. The Martian is actually one of the pseudonyms of Mad Mike, the co-founder of the label Underground Resistance, which along with Jeff Mills, they were pioneers of the Detroit techno sound. And techno is significant not only to this history we're laying out, but my story as well. The history behind um, the sound is really what makes it my favorite genre of electronic dance music. And this is just my opinion, but I believe it was one of the first genres to really take that collective aspect of electronic dance music to another level, for better and for worse. Um, the cult status of Juan Atkins, Derek May, and Kevin Saunderson, for example, the Bellevue 3, is really interesting. There's the whole rivalry between Chicago and Detroit. I also think techno had this sense of idealism that wasn't as potent in preceding genres. Ultimately, it was interested in ideas of technological progress and futurism, especially Afrofuturism, which is a line of thought that is concerned with the relationship between blackness and technology. In Detroit, this was especially relevant since it was once an extremely industrialized area and now very much of it is left with remnants of an old past and ruins. I'm also just personally drawn to these types of discussions on technology and the future, so I guess that just bleeds into my love for techno. Anyway, we're moving into the early 2000s now with this track by Isoli called Bu Mon Plage. Thank you. 
That was View Mon Plage by Isoli. It was released in 2003. Um, when I was researching for this show, it was really hard to pin down what genre this was, you know, at face value. And after a bit of digging, I discovered a lesser known subgenre of house called Micro House. And it emerged around the late 90s and is influenced by minimalism and techno. However, I actually think it's quite contemporary simply because I discovered it through the Spotify algorithm and apparently it was a real hit when it came out. I didn't realize how old it was because it sounded quite similar to artists like Gooey Burrado and um, Nicholas Jar. Microhouse is pretty obscure, especially since minimalism veers more towards the experimental side of music. So I think the boundary at which we are ready to categorize what is Microhouse is probably really blurred. Anyway, we're flying out of Europe, across Asia, and into the Philippines, where a humble island in Western Visayas became an unsuspecting hub for an emerging sound. Ang Boracay tahimik, mayumi, mahinako. Ang mukha ng kagandahan ay nakatatak sa bawat takbang, bawat pagsikat ng araw, at bawat paghalik ng araw sa aking pasin. Boracay ay ang pinakamagandang isla sa buong mundo. Boracay Magandang isla sa buong mundo. Sali kayo sa amin dito.
That last track you just heard is an absolute classic. It's You, It's Me by Cascade from Head Candy's Beach House compilation in 2002. The one before that was Face of Beauty by Lover's Lane from the 10th volume of the Café Del Mar compilation from 2003. So these two tracks have something in common. They're both what we in Manila might call the Boracay sound. Now, if you try to look up Boracay sound on Google, you won't find much. Just nightlife guides on the island and the odd news article about a random story. But I don't know, for me, this was such a seminal period for electronic dance music, especially in Manila, because there was an actual scene for it. The fact that we called it the Boracay sound means something. But it wasn't like we had music historians and journalists that were taking notes about what was happening in Boracay during the early 2000s. So I guess that leaves us with personal experience to trace back its history. And in the early 2000s, chill out was becoming a thing, branching out from the ambient house movement that started in the UK with artists like Orbital and the Future Sound of London. Café Del Mar is a bar in Ibiza that eventually became a record label when they started releasing compilations of Chill Out, which fused jazz, classical, and new age with elements of house. Head Candy, on the other hand, was a British record label founded in 1999. They had their own radio show on Jazz FM, which later evolved into live events, including a residency at Pacha in Ibiza. So how does Manila and Boracay fit here? Well, this is where my personal experience comes in, and whether you are willing to admit it or not, Big Fish, the event organizer for gigs in Manila, really changed the landscape of nightlife in the city. Hosting these large events with headliner artists from labels like Ministry of Sound, Cream, 
God's Kitchen, all of which hail in one way or another from Ibiza. Of course, Big Fish hosted parties in Boracay too. Hey Jude, which is a beach resort in Boracay, hosted a lot of these labels like Head Candy, Armada, and Slinky. Big Fish also had a radio show on Magic 89.9 with exclusive shows from Armin Van Buren, Carl Cox, and John Digweed. Isn't that so impressive? When I was uncovering this history, it taught me the importance of two things in fostering new music scenes, community and radio. Those are two things Manila Community Radio already is. So again, cheers, Manila. Of course, we're not in chill out era anymore. Imports for this type of music eventually phased out. Plus, Big Fish sort of lost its relevance, although they still created parties last year. By around 2011, though, a new era for electronic dance music was taking the world by storm, and Manila was ready to take it all in.
this song needs no introduction. It's the radio edit of Levels by Avicii. I'd probably lose my residency on MCR if I played the 10-minute extended mix, so I'll spare you that. If you are still listening, please, please stick around until the end. Not only do I have some new releases to share from the Philippines and Thailand, but I swear to God, I have a good reason for including levels in this show. Where do I begin? Okay, so for the most part, we've been talking about electronic dance music, but by around the early 2010s, what emerged was the abbreviated EDM, which the music press began associating with house producers like Avicii, Hardwell, Swedish House Mafia, but also electro DJs like Diplo, Steve Aoki, A-Track, all of whom were blowing up into the mainstream. But Levels really captured the imaginations of people, and I don't think this was coincidental. To me, there are two main reasons. Firstly, that recognizable synth hook is pure music theory. It's simple, it's almost predictable, but in a satisfying way. One track that comes to mind that have this hook is Satisfaction by Benny Benassi. And so, you know, Avicii constructed this track with the intention of making it catchy and memorable. In a way, I think that's what all producers are trying to do in whatever genre they dabble with. And for Avicii to come up with one of his own, it's genius, honestly. And of course, it got the recognition it deserved. It was basically top of the charts everywhere in the world. But also the second reason why this track is so important in this history is that vocal sample of Something's Got a Hold on Me by Etta James, which was released in 1962. Avicii was basically doing what Chicago House producers have been doing for years, which is making edits of tracks and making them ready for the dance floor. It not only gave Levels this immediate recognizability, but it's also a nice interlude in the track that reigns it all in. Many people will shit on Levels as the arch nemesis of underground dance music. It's commercialized. It's like a bag of Doritos when you can try, I don't know, chips made out of insect flour. It doesn't challenge people. But you know what? I think Tim Berg, the man behind Avicii, set himself with a difficult task, which is to make everyone, and I mean everyone, dance. And it worked. I love techno just as much as the next person, but when I went to see Avicii in Republic in 2011 and he dropped levels, bro, it was banging, the energy was crazy, everyone was into it, it was like the roof was about to pop off. And that's what every musician wants, is that response from the crowd. Sadly, after levels, Avicii faced enormous pressure from labels, from the music industry, from fans, to keep making music that was just as good as Levels. That pressure eventually led to the end of his life, where he died by suicide. Fucking sad. Rest in power, Tim Berg. Okay, 
palate cleanser. We're coming to the end of the show. Four tracks left. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I am going to be doing less talking from now on because we're entering this period in the history of electronic dance music that I think is still being defined. 10 years is probably a good range for people to start reflecting and nailing down what a certain generation represented. This track was just released five years ago, and if I had to say anything about it, it takes cues from Micro House in the early 2000s, but with more sophisticated synths. This is around the time when Fortet, Floating Points, and Caribou were really blowing up. But you know what? I'm not a music historian, I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to pretend that I have that much foresight for something that is still evolving. So let's just let the music speak for itself. This is Nietzsche's Wolkchen by DJ Cozy featuring Apparat.
by DJ Cozy featuring Apparat. Okay, guys, last three tracks. Thanks so much for tuning in. It means a lot to me. And now we're entering 2020. Oh my God, like (laughs) how far we've come. Now I'm super excited to share this music with you. All of them are from Southeast Asian artists released this year. There's no real theme, to be honest, just tracks I like. This is going to be pretty chop suey. But before I get into that, I guess just a few words about electronic dance music in 2020. I mean, gosh, I don't know, man. It's a roulette, obviously. As I've talked about extensively here, much of electronic dance music has thrived in physical spaces that champion a certain sound. Obviously, we don't have that right now, but many producers and DJs have been quick to use the one space that is available, which is the online space. Bedroom production has been happening for a long time, but more so now for obvious reasons. And just from my own observations as a citizen of the internet, I think musicians are going increasingly left field. This has been the perfect time to rediscover old tracks, listen to things that you would have never thought you would and that's great when this is all over we're going to be blessed with so much good new music i mean we already are there's just so much to be grateful for and these artists are doing a real service for us by keeping the creativity anyway this one is available on spotify by the ikigai honcho limsum called xlb
this track is called Blue Pill by TJ TS Jungle, a producer from Thailand. This was released on the label Asia Music, which includes a lot of Filipino producers like Herb Cabral, Alan Nepp, both of whom have shows have had shows on MCR. Ryan Pamatmat, he's a London-based Filipino producer DJ that focuses on tech house. Ken Ishi, legendary Japanese techno producer. It's available on Beatport, so please show your support. We're coming to the last track now. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Cultural Learnings with Versailles on Manila Community Radio. I hope you learned some culture today. You can catch me again in two weeks, 20th of September, with some easy listening jams. I'm going to stop talking now and hand it over to Manila's beloved local son. He's dropping an EP under Transit Records this November. This track is called Pasión y Tristeza. But before I play the track, here are a few words from the man himself. Pasión y Tristeza is a song based on two samples. And those are the names on the title itself. So Pasión is passion, which is the tradition of Pabasa in Batangas. When I was a kid, we used to go to all of these with my dad and he'd force us and the town elders, sounds crazy, it's just like the old people in the town where we lived in, but they would read the Bible in a very like vibrato-y way and it would go on until the morning, from the start of the day until the end of the morning and they have these really loud speakers that just blast into the whole town from one house. And that's the passion part. The Tristeza is the name of a song from Baden Powell for Brazil. And it's just that looping Brazilian sounding guitar. And it matches well with that uplifting small sample of the passion and then the Tristeza. And it's basically those two names together. I'll just put it together. Sounds cool. And when you translate it into English, passion and sadness. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 